the Bible has just came to life. You feel the presence of God, but you also hear the presence of God. On the ground, there's so many stories that I can share with you. The impact that pastors had on me. Obviously, the Bible is this ancient text. I got sucked into the Bible now, and I'm about to play my role. Welcome to Passages Voice. Short interviews from the many voices of Passages. From the ones that make the magic happen behind the scenes, to the real heroes of our program, our alumni. Hello, Rachel here. Thank you for joining us for our conversation about a Christian's response to conflict. Our goal at Passages is to create a discussion. And after listening, you can head over to our Facebook discussion group to join the conversation. Check out the link in our description. And now, on to the conversation. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeremy Rivers. I'm the Managing Director at Passages, and I am here again with uh, Robert Nicholson, the Executive Director of the Philos Project. Um, and so we are going to uh, just do a another little chat today. Um, so first, uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? What's the Philos Project up to? Uh, very busy. There's been a lot going on. The Middle East is one of those gifts that keeps on giving. So just staying up to date with the latest developments in Syria and in Israel is, is sort of a full-time job in itself. Uh, I was there uh, for about two and a half weeks, just came back about a week ago before the holiday, and uh, just having meetings, getting caught up, some really interesting people and experiences, and it's one of the things I love about the land is it's always changing. Mm -hmm. There's always something new to see, someone new to me. For sure. Um, well, we are, we're rolling with um, kind of the theme this month for our alumni and our Passages Pulse community of the uh, Israeli and Palestinian conflict. So mm -hmm. as you know, uh, one of the two purposes of a Passages experience is introducing a participant to uh, modern day Israel. Obviously one of the aspects of that is the conflict. Um, and while you know a participant going in may understand that the conflict is complex, you know, they experience kind of it a little firsthand on the trip, and they realize it's maybe even a little bit more complex than they thought. Yes. Um, so as we're going to dive into this theme a little bit more this month, um, I thought it would be great um, to kind of hear from you. I know that you were you were on a passages trip just a few weeks ago, and you did a, a lecture on the Christian kind of approach to the conflict. Yes, yes, so I did, yeah. So I think uh, before we just kind of dive into uh, exploring the theme a little bit this month, that might be a good starting point is, you know, how should we approach it as Christians? Um, so um, let's just kind of start off there. So um, as Christians, how should we view the conflict? Well, it's, it's important to ask the question that way as Christians because there is, you know, a conflict and it needs to be approached and dealt with. And there's a whole industry of people negotiating and doing all kinds of uh, humanitarian relief, etc. But when you're a Christian, it adds this extra layer. You know, there's an extra um, call to be responsible, to engage, to go a little deeper, to think about, okay, here's the conflict and all its complexity, but what does God have to say about it? And you have to be asking that question if you're a Christian. And I think that, um, you know, as we're approaching uh, 70th anniversary yeah. uh, of 1948 uh, in May, uh, a day that for Israelis is a day of great independence and celebration and even redemption, you could even go that far. Uh, a, a miracle happened 70 years ago, says the Israeli. For the Palestinian, it's exactly the opposite. May 1948 was the time when tragedy struck, when catastrophe happened. The word Nakba, which is what Palestinians call that event, 
means catastrophe. It was, it's the most um, formative moment in the Palestinian national consciousness. So you have two peoples, both of whom belong to the land in some way. Uh, you have two peoples who have totally different views of the exact same set of events. And as a Christian, you're looking at this conflict and you're saying, I care about both. I believe both have a right to be in this land. How do I square the circle? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really, really difficult question. And I think that for me, you know, one of the things that Passages does so well is it brings people back to the source of their faith. And many people, I think most people who go on Passages have this almost a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. they, they remember, wow, this is much bigger and grander than I thought. But there's a, there's a step two that not everybody always remembers, and that is the call to apply your faith. Okay, so your faith is revived, awakened, you're excited about God again. Okay, so now take that extra step and do something about it. And I think the conflict for all of the tragedy and for all the difficulty it presents uh, also presents an opportunity for the Christian to actually roll up their sleeves yeah. and get their hands dirty and do something about it. It's a call to engage. It's a call to responsibility. And it's a call to be thoughtful. And I think as Christians come into this space, um, look, there's a lot of people working on this issue. Um, the Christians who work on this issue should be known for their thoughtfulness. They should know, be known for the, um, the holistic way that they approach the conflict, um, compassionate way that they approach the conflict and wise way. I think that you know, when you look at a group of people working on the Israeli-Palestinian issue, uh, you should be able to see the Christians. You should be able to hear the Christians and say, wow, that's a uniquely sort of gospel-centric way to think about all these events. And I think that that's really the task for us as Christians, and particularly for people who go on passages who get, unlike most people, who get to see it up close, uh, it's important that they think deeply, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? Mm. So. So the, the approach of the perspective like that, and so we approach it that way. So then the question comes to action. How, how should we respond after we've put some thoughtfulness, some, some wisdom to this approach? Uh, how should we respond to the conflict or not respond to the conflict? It's good. Actually, both are good questions. I think so. I always talk about my four principles for engaging conflict as a Christian, and these apply probably anywhere. But I think they're especially relevant on this issue. And the first principle, uh, well, I'll list them at first. It's compassion, uh, diligence, discernment, and action. The mm. first one, compassion, is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, many people come into conflicts, immediately take a side, uh, start believing that everything the one side does is right and everything the other side does is wrong. Mm -hmm. The first group are angels, the second group are demons and they don't get uh, a sense of the humanness of the conflict. And I think in this conflict, where both Jews and Arabs have very difficult stories to tell you, uh, Jews not only in the Holocaust in Europe, but Jews who came from countries of the Middle East to Israel, thrown out of Iraq, thrown out of Egypt and Jordan and Lebanon because their identity as a Jew, awful stories. Palestinians, put aside the questions about who's responsible, who did it, you know, who's to blame, put all that aside. Mm -hmm. Look at these people as humans. As Christians, I'm called to look at humans the way that God sees them. Mm -hmm. And he sees them as his creations, uh, each one deserving of love, each one deserving of outreach. Mm -hmm. And I, as a Christian, can't uh, do any less than God when it comes to that. I need to see both Israelis and Palestinians 
as humans. I need to have compassion and empathy mm. for their situation. Mm. Uh, the second thing, uh, a lot of people stop there, by the way, compassion, just like a general sort of warm feeling for the people in the conflict. And they don't really go anywhere with it. The next step is key. The next step is diligence. And this is the part that a lot of people don't like because it's hard work. Uh, a lot of people want to look at a conflict, hear a couple of stories, and, and suddenly make a decision about what's right and what's wrong and who's to blame. Not good. That's not a Christian way. That's not a responsible way to deal with conflict. The next thing you have to do is to be diligent, is to, is to dig into the story, dig into the history. You know, everybody wants justice, but many people forget that justice is always set within a historical context. You need to learn. It's like a judge. You know, two people come before a judge. Uh, and they have a case, they have a, they have a problem. And what does a judge do? I mean, he doesn't make the decision based on who cries the loudest. The judge asks, okay, so tell me what happened. First you, and then you, and then he does his own independent research, and then he sort of weighs things out, uh, and then he makes a decision. That first stage, that fact-finding stage, that diligence stage is really key. And I think, you know, when you see people in scripture uh, who are commended for their faithfulness. They're often people who are very diligent. They search the scriptures. They want to know what's happening. And I think that as Christians, looking into the history, looking into the language, understanding the context for this. This isn't just, you know, one conflict among a million. Every conflict has its own unique story, and this one is no different. And so Christians need to take the time, make the effort to go into the facts and just find out how did things get to be the way they are mm. today. Um, but even that's not enough. The next stage, the third stage, is discernment. And I think that Christians, you know, we all believe, regardless of your denomination, that we are imbued with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Um, and as we're weighing all of these facts, you know, we're looking at the history, we're, we're looking at the peoples and their different arguments, uh, we are called to make judgments, to make decisions. It's not enough just to say, well, look, you know, we're not gonna take sides, everybody's right, nobody's wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's all about, you know, the pain and suffering. No, there, there is such a thing as right and wrong. There is such a thing as truth. Uh, and one of the most important things for Christians to do is to begin to draw lines and to begin to say, what are the principles that should guide me here? Mm -hmm. What are the standards? What is the Bible? What does my faith call me to do when approaching competing truth claims? How do I make decisions? And that's, in general, a key uh, trait uh, of a Christian leader, I think. But in this conflict, I think we need to begin to make distinctions. Mm. You know, for me, everybody sort of has different ways that they approach it. For me, one of my red lines is uh, I don't, uh, I can't work with and I can't support any group that demonizes or dehumanizes another or who says that they have no right or no connection to this place. I don't care if they're a Jew or if they're an Arab. I believe both peoples have rights in that land, mm. and anybody who says otherwise to me is on the wrong side of the conflict. Mm. Uh, and so things like that, finding out, okay, and then measuring facts up against those standards is key. And then lastly, of course, the final step is action. Okay, so you have compassion, you've dug into the facts, you've made some decisions, what do you do with it? And this is really the hardest part, and there's no magic bullet, you know, mm -hmm. Jeremy. I mean, you, you, yeah. it's not like I can just give you a list of three things to do and, and you can, you know, help solve the conflict. But you need to think about what has God called you to do? Um, what skills do you have? Where are you at? Where do you live? Who do you know? Mm. What are the relationships you have now? And what are the relationships you can form? Um, feeling this sense of responsibility, looking at what God has given you and saying, how can I bring some uh, measure of 
Christ into this conflict. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is small. You know, everybody wants to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Chances are you, Jeremy, and me, Robert Nicholson, are not going to solve this conflict. I can almost promise that that's true. But there are a lot of little things that we can do. And don't underestimate the little things. Don't underestimate the conversations and the advocacy that you can do locally. So I think that um, a lot of it comes down to relationship building. A lot of it comes down to using what you have to, um, to push things in the direction you think it needs to go. So, so those are the do's. Uh, be compassionate. Be diligent. Be discerning. Be active. Those are the do's. What about the don'ts? They're basically the flip side of all of those different things. Uh, and by the way, these are the things that I often see the most in dealing with a conflict, Christians and non-Christians alike. So people, rather than be compassionate, people are harsh. Mm. People take these really um, mean positions on the conflict, uh, not thinking about the humanity of the people. So the first, don't. Don't be harsh. Mm. Don't be harsh. We don't need any more harshness uh, in this movement. The other thing is, uh, don't be ignorant. Don't come into this uh, with a naivete about what's happening on the ground. Uh, don't come into this with uh, no desire to really dig into the facts and to find out how things got to be the way they are. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who do this are very ignorant. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be screaming about uh, their side in the conflict and how they're right and how they're, you know, the other side is just completely wrong. And you ask them even one follow-up question mm. about some very obvious point of the history and they don't know because they've never studied it. Mm. It's actually, by the way, when you're confronted with somebody uh, uh, who's a, a sort of a rabid advocate on the other side of your issue, one of the best things to do is just ask a soft follow-up question mm. that, that demonstrates that they really don't know what they're talking about most mm. of the time. So don't be harsh. Don't be ignorant. Uh, don't be hasty. So the third, the third do was be discerning. Mm -hmm. um, be discerning means being methodical, taking your time, looking at things in a dispassionate way, trying to weigh things, trying to be wise. And sometimes people come into this uh, conflict and they immediately rush. You know, they do a little bit of fact research and they're like, yeah, yeah, see, my side's completely right. Mm. Um, take some time, dig a little bit deeper, uh, broaden your research, look a little bit more, talk to a few more people, talk to people, I always, I always counsel, Talk to somebody you completely disagree with, completely, like everything. You don't meet on anything, just to hear their perspective. And then make your decision. So don't be hasty. And lastly, don't be lazy. There's nothing worse than somebody who has an abundance of knowledge and does nothing about it. In fact, I think it's the height of sin. You know, to him who knows to do something and does it, doesn't do it, it's a sin to him. Oh, yeah. And as Christians, we are called to be active. We're not just waiting for you know, heaven to come down to earth and the kingdom to arrive. Like, we have stuff to do here now today. Uh, we need to be wise about it, but we need to really sort of roll up the sleeves and get involved. Great. Well, if maybe we can still sit on how we should respond or not respond a little bit, but maybe drill down into kind of where some of our participants are on campus. Um, yes. They, they uh, maybe were involved to a degree in this uh, conversation a little bit before the trip, but uh, for sure it's more on their radar after the trip. Mm -hmm. And maybe uh, things that are going on on their campus they're more aware of, and it was always just right there, but now they see. And so uh, speaking specifically on campus life, mm -hmm. uh, a campus student, someone that is trying to uh, get more involved in this conversation, same question. What should a campus student uh, do or not do? That's a good. On campus. That's a very practical question. Um, and campuses are—it's tough. It's tough to be a student now. It's tough to be a student and to be advocating for a cause that's unpopular. 
Um, and I think, you know, it's sometimes easier to talk about the conflict in the conflict zone than actually on the campus. Mm, in yeah. the conflict, people are much more pragmatic and, and able to deal with people because they're there and they have to. Where on campus, uh, the rhetoric goes to this height that is just completely mm. extreme. Wow. So, so one of the things I think on that note is for Christians to be is to become known as a listener and a conversationalist. Uh, to be positioning themselves, not like everybody else who's screaming and yelling and lining up on both sides of the quad and sort of waving their signs at each other, but somebody who creates opportunities for discussion uh, and weighs in with a spirit of, of, of Christianity, with, mm. with a spirit of, of true compassion and empathy for both sides. Mm. So set yourself up as somebody who sits with different people, listens to their opinion, and responds civilly uh, to their points. I think another thing, and it's going back a little bit to what I said before, is you have to know your principles. You can't go in uh, to, you know, go on a long voyage across the ocean in the middle of a storm with no compass. You need to know your true north. Where, where am I heading? What are, the, what are the standards? What are the principles? Uh, that I'm going to use to measure all of these different arguments against each other. Um, and it helps you also get away from politics. There's a tendency in this conflict when Christians come in to immediately sort of line up on different sides of the conflict uh, according to political opinions. And they may be on a side that does something kind of wrong, uh, but they don't want to say anything because they're sort of in that tribe and, and that's the tribe needs to stay together. If you maintain your principles and if you outline them, and I'm talking about writing them down, uh, it will help you from sort of veering off course mm. and getting involved in this very partisan dispute. Um, so be a listener, be a conversationalist, know your principles, and then be um, active, create things, create opportunities for engagement. There's no chance you're gonna change your campus just walking around, going from the quad to the cafeteria to your class, hoping you know you bump into a guy who brings this up and you're gonna kind of talk to him. No, no, no. You have to facilitate hmm. the conversation. You have to create events. You have to create forums for people to come together. And it takes a little bit of work. It takes some, uh, it takes some time, some organization. Uh, it takes some money, mm -hmm. actually. But you need to create the conditions under which you can present your arguments and have the other side present uh, its arguments. Another point I think that's important, and a lot of people forget this as well, is you need to make allies. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, you know, God called me to advocate, and they just sort of, they, they're like a one-man or one-woman show. You know, they're going to go in, they're going to bring down fire from heaven. The, the fact of the matter is you need friends, you need partners. And these partners, by the way, they may not be the kinds of partners you think. You know, a lot of people when doing advocacy on Israel-related issues will think, oh, i got to find the pro-Israel groups. Yeah, well, sure, do that. But you'd be surprised. Look at all of the groups. Think about who are the groups uh, that sort of buy into my underlying principles. Mm. Who are the groups that we could team up with? What are the different faculty members, departments on my campus? Like yeah. create a really diverse coalition of allies that can strengthen you, strengthen your side, and um, help show that it's more than just one guy or one girl on campus who thinks these things. There's a whole community. And lastly, I would say, and this is really sort of taking a, a page out of Jesus's book. Uh, and Jesus, you know, was on one hand, the, one of the most controversial people who ever lived, but also one of the most skillful at um, uh, kind of minimizing controversy. And Jesus, what did he do? He sort of positioned himself 
in his actions and with his words in a way that was really hard to challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody would ask him a question and he would ask a question back and he would give them two mm-hmm. answers yeah. and it would say in scripture, they couldn't choose this one because they feared the people, but they couldn't choose this one because it would prove that he was right. And so uh, Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Jesus was harmless, but he was really, really wise yeah. the way that he handled these people. Mm-hmm. When you talk about your issues, you don't need to go full bore. Think about what is the way that I could say this thing in a different way that makes it almost impossible to challenge. Mm. One of the things that I think is important, by the way, I I happen to believe in this, is defending Palestinian human rights. Now, people may think, wow, you're Palestinians. Well, I don't know that I agree with all of their political ideas. Okay, whatever, fine. But we know that they're humans. That's true. Uh, We know that they're facing as much trouble from their leaders, their own leaders, as they are from Israel. Let's talk about, let's really talk about, you want to talk about what about Palestinians? Let's really talk about it and see what are the challenges that they face? How did they uh, get to be this way and what can we do to help them? Mm. So that's a long list, but, but I think you see what I'm saying. You got to really take this upon yourself and put yourself into the fray in a way that's wise um, and that is provocative, but not um, put off-putting. Mm, that's great. Um, okay, so values, uh, kind of responding according to your values. So, so curious question, does Philos have an official position on the conflict? Yes, we do. And it's, it's actually not one that uh, people uh, usually think. They, uh, it's funny, depending on who you ask, we're on totally on one side of the conflict mm-hmm. or the other. Um, but one of the things we say at Philos is that this binary between Jews and Palestinians, between Jews and Arabs, is actually a false choice. It's a false dichotomy. This binary thinking mm-hmm. that there's only Jews and there's only Arabs and they, everybody who's Arab hates the Jews and everybody who's Jews hates, it's not true. You go to Israel as people who are watching this have, you'll see there's tons of mixing uh, and people line up in weird ways. That You find the Jews who are more anti-Israel than some of the Palestinians are. So get out of that binary frame of mind. Start to, start to change the way that you think about the conflict and how the two sides are lining up. Um, and that's the way that we've constructed our position. I'll actually read uh, the position yeah, officially, sure. um, then I'll make a comment or two. But our position, goes our statement, begins, as I said, from principles and not paradigms. Uh, we support Jewish security and self-determination in the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. We also support Palestinian security and self-determination in the same area. Broadly, then, we support some variant of the two-state solution, ideally a Jewish state with a Palestinian minority and a Palestinian state with a Jewish minority, although we are open to new approaches that recognize both Jewish and Palestinian rights, including innovative ideas about confederation. We adamantly oppose those who deny the connection of the Jews or the Palestinians to the land or who call for violence against the other. Both the Jewish state and the Palestinian state should be democratic and pluralistic. And so what we try to do in this statement is to, is to shift the terms of the debate. We're right off the bat acknowledging Jews and Palestinians both have rights, security and self-determination, to live in this land as equals. Um, we can talk about all the two-state, one-state, how is this going to work, how is that going to work. We can get there. But the first thing we needed to do in this statement is to say why we believe what we believe. What is the basis for, for, for our advocacy? Mm. And after that, we're creative. There's all kinds of interest. You know, people often think, well, there's only a one-state solution or a two-state solution. I saw once somebody did uh, some kind of study of all the solutions. And there was, I mean, it was two dozen or so. I mean, there's, a, there's many, many ways to think about this. Mm. 
the first thing you need to do is figure out why you believe what you believe. And I think that's for sure uh, a duty of the Christian. Mm. Great. Well, um, we like to end all of these chats with a, a tangible. So um, with what we've been talking about today, what are some tangible ways that our listeners can get involved, whether alumni or Passages Pulse subscribers, um, and how is Philos involved? So the first thing I would say is to do what you can do on your campus. You know, there's someday you may go change the whole world. Right now, you're not. Mm -hmm. You're taking classes <laughs> at your campus, uh, and that's your mo the most important thing for you to do. And while you're there, you need to consider that your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria. That is your little patch of the world, and you need to own it. Uh, and all the things that I said about being a conversationalist, et cetera, should apply. Like, mm -hmm. be active locally. Um, but what we want at Philos, as the Passages community grows, and as leaders come deeper into the Passages system, becoming fellows, becoming senior fellows, mm -hmm. becoming trip staff, these people, we want them, especially after they graduate, to come into the Philos network, which is a broader network. Uh, it's focused on other parts of the Middle East in addition to Israel. And what we want those people to do, the, the ones who really feel God calling them to be involved in this, not necessarily politically, by the way, it could be in ministry, it could be in media, mm -hmm. it could be in humanitarian relief work, to say, you know what, I want to make this a real part of my life even after school. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go deeper into philos training mm -hmm. and to think about going back to the Middle East um, and to uh, looking at some of the other issues and starting a chapter or joining a chapter in my local community, raising money, raising awareness, doing things that advance our shared values in the Middle East uh, in a more consistent way. So Philos has a number of opportunities to do that. Um, the people who come through passages are the people we look at first mm -hmm. because they're people who've already demonstrated that they're interested and that they care. So you can go on our website, philosproject.org. You can also email us at info at philosproject.org. Ask us questions. Ask us how you can be involved. Chances are there's a ton of ways. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Mm, that's great. Well, as always, thank you for sitting down and talking with us, thank diving you, into these issues. Um, and, you know, just take away from this, those watching or listening, I think I would uh, just kind of challenge you with some of the things that we heard um, uh, today. And uh, take, this, take this video, take this podcast, grab a few people, start a conversation. Um, yes. if, uh, if you are uh, watching uh, or listening via Passages Pulse, um, thank you for subscribing. Um, we're passionate about kind of engaging those that are close to our heart. And uh, if this brought you any value, I would encourage you to share this with somebody. Uh, and if you are someone that is watching this because someone shared it with you, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And if you'd like to subscribe to Passages Pulse and get some more updates like this, you can uh, just go to passagesisrael.org backslash pulse, and we'll send you updates uh, how often you want and exactly where you want it. So again, Robert, thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to our next chat. And uh, we'll see you guys around. Bye. We know that anything to do with the Middle East can be complicated. We wanted to provide you a place to ask questions and spark a discussion. So head over to our Facebook discussion group to join the conversation. The link is in the description. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.